Hello and welcome to a new series of short WI podcasts looking at why COP26 matters for different issues. I'm Nicholas Walton, and in this episode, we're looking at COP and the ocean. But we really need this to be a joined up effort across both land and ocean economies. We really need to connect the land with the ocean, the ocean with land, and not treat them separately. You're listening to WRI's COP26 Shorts podcasts. Here's the Global Director of WRI's Ocean Programme, Christian Telecki. At COP26, what I'd really like to see is I'd like to see the ocean getting greater visibility. We've been through a a number of COPs in the past. They've been touted as the Blue COP. This has been touted as the Nature COP. But I asked the question, you know, where is the ocean? You know, it's two-thirds of the planet, 25% of all the carbon dioxide emitted is taken up by the ocean. It's one of the world's largest carbon sinks. You know, more than 90% of the heat we produce is absorbed by the ocean. And if you look at it from an ecosystem point of view, you know, mangroves are able to store three to four times more carbon than forests on land. So where is the ocean in all of this? And I think, you know, certainly there is there's enough of an evidence base, you know, to support it. And if you you know, think about this in terms of, you know, the I guess the solutions and perhaps some you know, look at the research commissioned by the high level panel for sustainable ocean economy. You know, this has shown that with the right policy and financial incentives, a set of ocean climate based solutions can deliver up to a fifth of the annual greenhouse gas emission cuts needed by 2050 to limit the global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. So we're, we're talking about a considerable amount of savings there, you know, in terms of the you know, carbon, you know, the ocean and the role the ocean can play, but it's largely missing from COP26. So how much of that is due to the fact that so much of the ocean lies outside the direct control of nation states? Well, I mean, I think there's a considerable amount of ocean, yes, that does lie in the areas of the high seas. About 50% of the Earth's surface is in that area of the high seas. But I, you know, at the moment, I think there is probably that out of sight, out of mind, and doesn't really get necessarily get that recognition. I mean, even if the economics also stack up, I mean, you look at some of the most recent research that we've been involved with. And uh, if you look at some of these ocean-based solutions, and, and you invest, you know, let's say a dollar in these key ocean actions, that can yield up to at least $5 in global benefits. And, and you might say, well, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about conserving and restoring mangrove habitats. And I talked about why those are important. You're scaling up offshore wind production, decarbonizing international shipping, and then increasing the production of sustainably sourced ocean-based proteins. And Nicholas, if you add all that up, you know, we're talking about $23 trillion in net benefits by 2050. You know, the economics are there, the science you know, and evidence is there, and it really can play a, a critical role. And it's abundantly clear that that is the case. But we really need this to be a joined up effort across both land and ocean economies, you know, and not treat this as a, as a separate dimension. We really need to connect the land with the ocean, the ocean with the land, and not treat them separately going forward. There's also a role in the ocean in areas such as adaptation and being able to deal with some of the impacts of climate change and preventing some of the loss and damage that climate change can cause, especially in vulnerable countries. Oh, absolutely. You know, and we look at the role of coral reefs can play in absorbing 80 to 90 percent of the wave energy from storms that are coming ashore you know, associated with it. So if you're able to have healthy reefs, reduce coastal erosion, has a net impact on the land-based activities like tourism and the hotels or the tourism developments that are based there. You know, you look at mangroves and the role that mangroves play not only in sequestering carbon, as I talked about earlier, but in fact, play a role in taking absorbing storm energy and, and waves that might be impacting, you know, the land and, and communities that that live there. So, there there certainly is a definitely without a without a shadow of a doubt the role that the ocean can play in uh, in that adaptation. But you know, nature needs to be our friend and our ally and not our enemy, as we seem to be treating it at the moment. Is this problem traceable in some way to finance, which of course lies at the heart of so much being discussed at COP26? 
Sure. I think, you know, like anything, you know, you need a suitable amount of finance in order to bring those solutions to scale uh, and at speed at which they need to be rolled out. So there's a new amount of uh, opportunities that are there in order to invest. And those pathways to invest are becoming much clearer now than they were in the past. Um, and the economics, as I mentioned earlier, are stacking up to suggest there is a considerable return on investment that can be made. But that investment needs to be made. That whole spectrum of those solutions have not been fully explored yet. Is there anything that you might see at COP26 to indicate that the ocean was being taken seriously? At a minimum, you know, we know that, that ocean-based solutions do not feature prominently as they could in countries' NDCs. As countries you know, submit new and updated NDCs or develop more detailed implementation strategies, you know, they should look at their you know, ocean and their ocean economies as a source of innovation. There's a tremendous there, as I mentioned earlier, that, that can be drawn upon that. And I think what I'd really like to see is a message coming out of COP26, both in terms of commitments you know, regarding industrial decarbonization and, and nature-based platforms that are being convened by the UK as a pillar of its presidency, you know, is, you know, is that the ocean, you know, should play a role. And let's not just treat it as, you know, as a side margin or a, a nice to have, but actually it's a necessity. And, you know, and if we don't, we do it at our peril by ignoring it. Christian Telecki on why COP26 matters from the standpoint of the ocean. The other seven episodes in this series examine everything from why COP matters for business, for food and land use, for circular economy and for cities. Cities are central to the challenge. Two thirds of world's energy consumption is by cities and more than 70% of global COT emissions come from cities. So how cities deal with this challenge and how they mitigate greenhouse gases is key in order to get to the 1.5 degrees outcome. There's plenty more on COP on our website, wri.org, and you can, of course, subscribe to our podcasts on all good podcast apps. I'm Nicholas Walton. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.